Today's discussion is a very important topic to all of us as mothers, parental rights. Throughout history, parents have always held the preeminent role in all decisions regarding their children. But increasingly, school boards are taking the reins and purposely hiding important information and agendas from parents regarding their children's education. Well, today, a mom who is also a lawyer with the Alliance Defending Freedom Legal Organization talks with us about your rights as a parent and how you can protect your children. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, we introduce you to special guests who share their personal stories and advice on how to build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their home, community, and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Carolitis, your host, and this is the Moms for America podcast, a show inspiring, encouraging, and educating moms in their journey through motherhood. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we want to invite you to like and subscribe our podcast. Always, we ask you to share the podcast with your mama friends. This is going to be another very important episode about parental rights. So make sure you share this with your mom friends. Also, if you have a topic, an idea, a guest, go ahead and email me personally at podcast at momsforamerica.net. Again, that is podcast at moms for, that's F-O-R, America. Dot net with any of your feedback, um, suggestions, and all that fun stuff. Love to hear from you. Uh, I also want to invite all of our moms that are listening to join our movement here at Moms for America because it's moms like us, like me and you, right? We're uniting all across the country to fight for faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. That's the goal. So go ahead and check us out at momsforamerica.us. Again, our website with all the information about our organization is at momsforamerica.us. Alrighty, on to today's episode, right? We as mamas have to be very, very strong in these days, don't we? We have to be very bold, we have to be courageous, and we have to swim against the cultural tide in so many ways. I'm excited to speak with a powerhouse guest today, Kate Anderson from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Now, Kate serves as senior counsel with ADF, where she is the director of the Center for Parental Rights. So this is going to be the top gal here discussing this. ADF is the world's largest legal organization committed to protecting religious freedom, free speech, the sanctity of life, parental rights, and God's design for marriage and family. We are thrilled to have Kate joining us. Um, so thanks so much, Kate, for coming on the Moms for America podcast to discuss this very important topic. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, Kate, I got the scoop here. We were chatting right before here. You are on your third baby yeah. and you, you came, out, came into the office just to talk with us with a four-week-old. Is that right? I did. I got a four-week-old little girl at home, um, and then an older boy, two years old, and then my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, is seven. So we got the move to three is definitely different. <laughs> well, congratulations, Mama. Thank you so much. Oh, okay. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for coming out of the house. Well, well maybe it was a good thing to get out of the house, right? It'd <laughs> <That'd> be nice. <laughs> okay. All right, Kate. So you're a mom of three. Obviously, our whole entire audience here that's listening is, is mamas. 
we are very, very concerned about parental rights. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this from your standpoint, um, from ADF? Um, you've seen this grow in importance and you are now focusing on this um, with your organization, is that correct? Yes, parental rights are so important. And our constitution and the Supreme Court has re repeatedly recognized how important parental rights are. Parents need to be the ones to raise their kids, to govern their upbringing. They know their kids best and it's their job and their responsibility and their joy to take care of their own children. Um, and while the courts and the constitution recognize this, we've seen a growing movement uh, from government officials over the last um, few years, maybe longer, uh, where they really are encroaching on parental rights. And I think you're seeing that at the school board level in spades across the country. Um, so it's a moment when ADF decided we'd been doing some work in this area for a long time, but we wanted to focus a full litigation group. Um, I've got five attorneys focused entirely on this issue and supporting parents so that they can do what they do best. Do we ever think we'd have to worry about parental rights that parents would be able to raise and train and teach and have a say uh, in their children's education or their children's future? I mean, is it, is it somewhat shocking uh, how quickly this issue is progressing? I think so. I mean, it should be obvious that parents know their children best, that they have their kids' best interest in mind, and that they are uniquely qualified to raise their children well. Um, and so having government officials out there thinking that they can do what parents do better um, just because they see the kids for a few hours during the day uh, is really shocking. When do you think this shift um, started to happen? Why did this, why, why do they feel so emboldened? Um, what are you seeing? I mean, is it just the culture is just, has just lost its way so much that we just are accepting of this in some ways. I feel like people are accepting it. Personally, I think that as the culture has shifted away from the family and the value on the family, that this is where this is coming in um, and strengthening movements towards how valuable and important the family is um, as the central unit um, really will help move this backwards. And I do think you're seeing a lot of parents and moms in particular standing up around the country and saying, we want to be parents. We want to be responsible for these things. This is our responsibility and really standing up for their kids and what's best for the family. And so I'm hoping that that's gonna move the needle back in the right direction. And I do wanna make that clear. I wasn't saying that moms are just letting it happen. I just kind of feel like it, it, there's been some kind of complacency and all of a sudden, you know, these groups have just come in very bold and just kind of just telling parents, you just sit down we're gonna take care of it, right? Well, that's what mm -hmm. Biden said, right? When you're in the school, they're theirs. I mean, they're, they, they basically, domestic terrorists calling parents, I mean, they really have just crossed this incredible line. And I think that those that were um, kind of just watching are now getting super engaged and especially our moms. That's why this topic is going to be so important for them. Um, let's talk about some of the cases that are going around the country, shocking cases. Um, we're going to talk about two or three of them in a couple of different mm -hmm. subject matters. But the first two cases I'd like to talk with you about, and this is happening all around the country. I mean, when they did a survey here in my school district, um, this whole discussion of gender politics, gender, ident gender identity, mm -hmm. the school is coming right in and basically saying, you know, we're going to discuss all these topics with your children regarding their, their sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, you want to get us up to speed in a couple of these cases. The first one happened in the uh, Madison Metropolitan School District. Um, what's going on there? 
Yeah, so we have three cases, the first of which is Dovey Madison Metropolitan School District. There, the school district has a policy that they can um, socially transition a child at school without the parent's permission or knowledge. So that means using pronouns, allowing kids to dress as the opposite sex, encouraging them to um, be affirmed in a gender identity that doesn't match with their biological sex, and to completely um, eliminate parents' involvement in that decision. We're talking about serious mental health issues that kids are struggling with in these situations, often with other depression and anxiety going along with whatever's coming up related to gender dysphoria. Um, and then telling parents that they don't have any role in this uh, is really, really dangerous. And experts on both sides of this issue, honestly, are saying that parents need to be involved uh, with their kids. This is a significant issue um, social transition is a significant psychotherapeutic uh, treatment, and so parents need to be involved. So we're fighting that on behalf of parents in that school district. So this school district, um, what were some of the things that they were doing? You kind of made reference to it, and I, I think what's so scary about this then, because you start dividing the family, you start making the parents to be the bad guys, now all of a sudden the, the safe place is the school. The school is embracing while they're trying to deal with this as a family unit talk through this with their children. So what, what does the school do? Uh, I've had a couple moms tell me that even like um, teachers and administration staff come up to their children and say, listen, you know, would you like to use a separate bathroom because you may be questioning or confused? And they start really, um, I guess, kind of, you know, <laughs> targeting the children. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us what, what these parents are dealing with and what they saw there. Well, I should mention too that we're litigating this case with the Wisconsin Institute uh, for Law and Liberty, which is a great organization. Um, and they've been doing a lot of the litigation with us on the case. But this case uh, presents the kind of policy that we're seeing all around the country on this. The policies that say that if a student, um, if a teacher or an administrator or someone in the school believes that a student is going to uh, present a gender identity that is not in accord with their biological sex, that they should encourage that student, work with that student, and they should not tell the parents. Um, and so they're hiding information from parents, and we're seeing it in Madison, Wisconsin, but we're seeing it in a lot of other places in the country, the same kind of policy being um, introduced. So in, in here, again, if you have teachers, uh, staff mm -hmm. encouraging this mm -hmm. and never letting the parents know any of the, uh, any of the issues at school, um, there's another case that you're dealing with, a couple other cases as well. What's mm -hmm. going on there? Well, we actually just filed a case in Virginia against the Harrisonburg School District, and that's a very similar policy to what they have in Doe uh, v. Madison, Wisconsin. Um, very similar policies as that teachers are going to lie to parents, that they're going to hide information. That one, um, they will start a gender support plan is what they call it. With The, the school will. The school will. The school counselor will meet with a student and start a gender support plan. Um, and in the Harrisonburg case that we're bringing, we're actually representing both parents and students and teachers who are saying, I don't feel that it's right for me to hide this information from parents. My school is telling me I have to affirmatively hide information, lie to parents when their child's dealing with something that I would under any other circumstances engage the parent and find out how the parent wants me to handle it, try to have that family be the ones working through this with their child. 
Um, and if you think about it, if a child is dealing with this stuff, their parent really needs to be able to walk through that with them to help them with very complicated issues that seem to be presenting more and more for kids in their teen years when they really need their family to come around them and help them work through whatever it is that they're dealing with. And the school's keeping them from doing that. Because I would think, right, Nick, if, if my son is failing a class, having a hard time learning, having problems with education, maybe, um, you know, acting out, mm -hmm. um, the school surely would have called me, sent me an email. I mean, my teachers have always done that. So now all of a sudden we just have a new, a, a, a new approach that because, and, and it's so important that parents know exactly what is going on with their kids at school. To me, it, it is completely shocking what is happening. Um, and, and rightfully so that teachers would feel like, why wouldn't I communicate? With, with a parent or a teacher about something that is happening within the school. Yeah, and we are starting to see cases where a student has been socially transitioned and the parents have been affirmatively lied to by teachers who then struggled with that and ultimately in some situations have said to their principal, I'm gonna have to tell this parent or you're gonna have to tell them they're asking me about their child, whether they've been bullied, what's going on with them. I know what's going on with them and you're telling me I can't tell them. So this is the concern of parents and of teachers like the teachers that are in our Harrisonburg case. We also have another case in Wisconsin with the um, Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Um, it's in the Kettle Moraine School District. Mm -hmm. And there they did transition a student and did not tell the parents. They found out later the daughter was dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression um, and a lot of complicated issues in addition to asserting a gender identity that did not accord with her biological sex. Um, and when the parents got involved, they wanted to get her to a counselor, um, work with counselors she'd worked with before, work with new counselors, try to figure out what was going on and help her navigate through all of this and give her time before right. she was pushed to a certain conclusion. So they told the school district that while they're working with her providers, they did not want the school to affirm a gender identity, a male gender identity for their daughter. Um, and the school district refused. They said they were going to allow her to transition. They were going to use a male name and male pronouns at school. Um, and so they disobeyed directly what the parents wanted. Um, they ended up pulling their daughter out of school um, and putting her in a different school system. And there she has done very well. She um, mm. has realigned with her biological sex and has even told her mom that she thinks some of the affirmation she was receiving really messed uh, her up. Um, right. Well, there's all this, right? There's kind of now trending. There, there, this is, you know, girls are doing this in groups. I mean, the peer pressure is off the charts, let alone now we have teachers, you know, thinking they're helping, but they're really contributing to a lot of this. What, I mean, what is a parent's right in a situation like this? Right. Um, this is the, the, the big question, right? We have to go to court now to say, hey, this, you're, you're violating um, you know, you're violating a situation here in my home with my child. What are well, our some rights? cases we are having to go to court um, for those issues, and I'm hoping that the courts will weigh in um, strongly in their favor. We actually, with the um, Madison, Wisconsin case, that has gone to the Wisconsin State Supreme Court on an early motion preliminary issue. Um, so it's not fully resolved, um, but it, we are hoping that we'll have a good decision from that court um, and a high court talking about 
how this impacts parental rights. The Kettle Moraine case has also gone through its first set of motions where we were asking the court to step in and stop this policy before it hurts anyone else while they're continuing to litigate the case. Um, and the court has come back and said that they think that it is something that um, very likely uh, impacts parental rights negatively, that the school district shouldn't be doing this, those kinds of yeah. things. There's some good, strong language in that. Although the case is, the policy is intact and is going forward because of the procedure in the case, but the court had some very helpful things to say about parental rights and their concern for the harm that was done to this particular girl. So I wanna understand this correctly then. So the school board or the school district adopts a policy mm -hmm. and then they feel like within this policy, which is probably pretty broad, when you just say gender confusion or right they have these big broad words that they use that they can just basically kind of do whatever they want within that am i am i wrapping that up correctly just yeah, the mom language I, I don't i'm not an attorney here i'm just thinking mom language here but they have these these sweeping uh state um policies right mm -hmm. and then anything can fit under it is that right kate yeah, that's pretty accurate. And we're seeing some states like Virginia did this. Other states are moving to do this where they make a model policy and tell all the school districts that they have to pass this policy. Um, and these are these sweeping policies that allow the school to do basically anything they want related to a child that is saying that they may be gender dysphoric or they're confused about their gender identity. Um, and that's just really, really problematic for parental rights as I'm sure every mom listening to this can hear. Um, moms and dads need to be involved in these decisions with their kids. They need to help their kids navigate through this. These are serious, lifelong medical, yes. mental health issues. Um, and a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, even a 17-year-old isn't equipped to deal with all of this on their own. And that's really what the school's doing to them. It is a family issue. It is a parent's issue in their home. No one should be sidestepping us. How, how often is this happening around the country? What, what kind of feedback are you hearing? We're hearing it at Moms for America on a pretty regular basis. Um, and we're not a, a law, uh, you know, a, a, a law organization here. What are you hearing? We're just seeing it more and more that the spread of these kinds of policies, very similar to what is in all three of the cases that we've talked about, that the school district can move forward with using names, pronouns at a student's request. Um, and in many cases, that request is sort of encouraged by a teacher or an administrator who says, you know, do you think that you might be right. um, non-binary or transgender or dealing with these issues? Um, and there's just more and more push to that. And then the policies say that parents don't have any involvement in these. This is something that is done at the school with school officials, with the school counselor. They do not have any requirement to include parents. And many of the policies say that they will actively hide information or not tell parents. Um, and that teachers should even hide and lie about this information if a parent asks and the teacher is not authorized by the school to share that information. Okay, this is just some crazy world. Um, what can moms do uh, if this is happening in their schools um, and their children are being approached this way? What can moms do? And then we're going to get on to another topic, but what about this particular one here, Kate? What can moms well, I, do? Yeah, I do think that moms speaking out at the school board meetings, finding out about these policies, spreading the word about these policies, because candidly, they sound so crazy that the school would lie to parents that parents on all edges of this issue would agree that 
parents should have the information and should be able to walk through this with their kids. And so we're seeing a lot of agreement among families that wouldn't necessarily agree on other issues, but agree that parents need to have information and schools should never be lying to them about what's going on with their kid. So I think moms finding out about these policies, spreading the word on them, uh, respectfully talking to their school boards as every mom has been doing um, is helpful to just push back against these policies. And then in some cases, we're gonna have some litigation that I hope will come alongside the grassroots efforts of so many moms and really help support what they're doing so that the school districts think twice about these kinds of policies. Mm -hmm. And then as moms, just affirming our children that we love them, that we care, we protect, we guide them, and that anything that needs to be discussed is a mom and dad issue, a right. home issue, um, and just come in and love on them super strong because the school just thinks that they're their parents and they are not so mad about and they're this. not Let's loving on the kids the way that moms and dads can do no so i think can't. that's great advice yeah so let's talk about two other cases that are revolving around um race in school curriculum um can you talk about those i mean we hear a lot about critical race we hear a lot about critical theory we hear a lot about um racial division in the schools uh you've got a couple of um cases that you're working on in some different counties so tell me about what's happening there yeah, so every kid should be able to go to school and be treated the same regardless of their race, their religion, their identity. Um, and we're seeing that breakdown in the critical race theory context. Um, we're seeing these very divisive policies that are um, separating kids on the basis of race, treating them differently, telling teachers that they should teach, discipline, um, interact with students differently based on their race. Um, and this is really problematic. Uh, we have filed two yes. cases, <laughs> obviously, we have filed two cases uh, against the Albemarle School District, one on behalf of parents and students who are okay. concerned about an anti-racism policy that really is a CRT policy that has been instituted in the school. Um, we also filed a second case against the same school district on behalf of a former assistant principal who who um, has always wanted to work in schools, has dedicated her career to public service um, and to serving kids and her fellow teachers well. So when she saw this same policy cropping up in the district, she spoke out against it. Uh, and particularly the hostile environment and the division that she saw forming among the teachers at that point, because it was in the teacher training stage, um, but also uh, what was coming to students. And she then experienced that hostile environment as uh, the school district sort of incentivized um, other teachers to berate her and to harass her. Uh, and she ultimately had to leave her job because the harassment became so severe. Um, but these are the kinds of things we're seeing in the schools with these sorts of policies. Uh, and it's very damaging to students. It is. And it's just so, um, it, it's just cruel. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. And then we've got the oppressed and the oppressor. We, we all of a sudden create a culture of division Mm -hmm. um, there's no unity in this. And then if, it, if a teacher speaks out, then they're harassed, they're bullied, um, they're doxxed. I, I mean, it, it, it is just absolutely insane that we would feel that, you know, dividing children according to race or making race, um, you know, I, I, it, it's almost shocking that they're even doing this because we've come so far in racial reconciliation that we're taking all these steps backwards. Why are, we right. going Why are we going backwards? I don't know, but we're going backwards in such a severe way because one of my mom's 
in the case involving parents and students. Her son is biracial. Uh, she herself is white and Native American, uh, but his father's black. And she raised concerns with the school, with his teacher, with the principal saying, you're focusing so much on his race. I'm concerned that this is gonna make him uncomfortable. And I don't want his classmates focusing on his race. They've never focused on his race before. Of course. Um, the response from the teacher and the principal was, well, we can create a safe space for him and other black students to go so they can be away from white students and they can be taught these lessons away from white students, which is segregation. And she raised that with the teacher and the principal and their response was, well, we're trying some different things and we think this is important. And you know, if stuff doesn't work, we'll kind of adjust. And we don't need to try out segregation again. No. Um, this is really a problem. They also told her, well, this could be a great opportunity for your son to be a spokesperson for the Black community. He's 12. She said, I don't want him to be. I don't think that's the kind of pressure that he needs. And right plus, now. he's biracial, right? He's right. biracial. Right. And, and, and that's, that is what's just, again, so offensive. You have to pick a team. You right. have to pick a message. You have to pick a side. And all we're doing to our kids now in school is making them pick sides instead of enjoy one another and the experience of just learning an education in school. You know, you've got to line up somewhere. You got to grab a flag. You got to go champion something. No, just let them be kids. Kids right. love to have friends. They love the variety. They love mm -hmm. to be, you know, with their with the people that they care about. Mm -hmm. And they just want to learn. Um, coming out of the pandemic, I know that there are so many teachers and parents who want to focus on academics and try to catch up. Um, right. And the kind of division that's happening is not helpful. Um, but to raise one of your points from earlier, they really are dividing kids and telling kids you are perpetually, individually, personally guilty for racism if you're white. And if you're not, then you're individually and personally oppressed. And what you can achieve is based solely on the color of your skin. And we saw this with one family in our case that they had immigrated from Panama um, and stayed in this country because they valued the public school system. And yet um, their daughter was told in a seventh grade language arts class that what she could achieve in life was based on her race and her skin color. And that um, she could not have a good job, live in a big house, go to a good school because she's Latina. Uh, and that was really upsetting, obviously, to her and her family who raised it with the school. And they just stood by what was being taught. Um, these every kid should know that they're valuable. Every kid should see the value in their fellow classmates. We do not need racial division in schools. Completely demoralizing. Um, where do you see these cases going that we just talked about about race? Uh, several of them are up on appeal. Um, well, I guess the um, teacher's case or the assistant principal's case is still in the very early stages. Um, our parents' case is going up on appeal here now, and we're hoping that the appellate court will weigh in. It was um, dismissed in early stage because of a procedural issue um, having to do with the way the court handled it, but we feel very good um, about going up on appeal and that as we move up through the courts on these cases, they'll be able to weigh in on the important constitutional issues at play here. We're talking about equal protection, um, compelling speech by making kids affirm this divisive ideology, um, which also violates their religious beliefs and the parents' rights. 
Um, so there's some very strong constitutional issues at play here that it probably will take to some of the higher courts like we're seeing in Wisconsin to be able to fully weigh in on those issues. Talking about this situation, you know, when parents uh, oppose this curriculum and they're white, are they considered to be racist? Um, all of our parents, I think, have been told they are racist, whether they are white or not. Or black, right. Um, which is interesting. Right. Um, it's the but, new term that's just being thrown around as, you know, it's just a, a, an interesting verb now, You're, you know, or a description of everyone. Everybody's a racist mm -hmm. now. And it's, and it's such a, a terrible situation to call someone a racist, especially when you're not. Well, and it's sad here because the parents oppose racism in every form. And I right. think people should be talking about the history of racism, current racial issues in the country, um, but not in a way that tells kids that they're personally responsible or divides them or segregates them on the basis of race. And this policy in Albemarle absolutely is telling teachers you have to grade students differently, you discipline them differently, you treat them differently based on race, and they're telling kids the same thing and requiring them to affirm that. Um, that's that's not healthy. No. Uh, some schools, same subject, um, but not this particular case, some schools are now separating children according to affinity groups. Mm -hmm. This is absolutely another crazy situation, right? They're separating them according to race. Yep, we are seeing that in some school districts around the country, and I think it's a little bit more of a growing trend, although it's been challenged um, in court and um, I think courts are going to weigh in very strongly against that. That's segregation. You're separating. What, what does it look literally. like, Kate? What does it look like? You come into school, you say you're white, you go over here. If you're brown or black, you go over here. I mean, what, what does this look like? They'll have various classes or clubs or times when they're talking about um, racism that they will separate kids on the basis of race in these affinity groups. Um, and that's obviously problematic. Equal protection says that students should be treated the same um, right. regardless of their race. And that there's a reason for that. Um, every kid is valuable. Their race isn't determinative of what they can achieve or who they are or their value. And that's what that's telling kids when you separate them in that way. Um, so I'm hoping to see those go away very quickly because it's such an obvious violation of the Constitution. It sure is. I, we had a, uh, one of our moms contacted us and said they were doing this at lunch hour now. Mm. It's getting crazy in there. Wow. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other parental right issues that you see on the horizon? Is there uh, a, another war coming, a new battleground, another something else that you see coming? Or is this really where we are now? Gender and race are the two main areas or, or is there something else? Um, those have been the two main areas that we identified to engage in. So um, my litigation goals are to engage on those two issues. And that's why our cases are focused there. I think it's sort of the current battleground given um, just where society is on these issues and the power of the public schools to weigh in on these issues, that this is an important place for us to defend parental rights and assert this important principle that parents need to be governing the education and upbringing of their kids. And for a long time in the courts, they sort of allowed parents, your rights in education are to pick public school, private school, or homeschooling. But that once they go to public school, there's limited influence on curriculum. But now we're seeing the schools say everything is curriculum so that they can get away with anything. Um, and there certainly are places where parents' rights are important in the public school context. 
um, because the school's gone too far. You can't treat kids differently on the basis of race and say it's curriculum. You can't segregate them. You can't compel their speech or violate their religious freedom and just say that you're engaged in creating curriculum. Um, it goes far beyond that. And so I think it's an important place to extend the recognition of parental rights and it's where parents and kids and the family are really being threatened right now. And um, we are looking towards CPS issue, family court issues, other things that could be on the horizon. Um, but I think the current battleground is very much in the public schools. It is. And really, you know, we talk about parental rights, but really the children are mm -hmm. losing their freedom just to be young. You know, yeah, they're just, they're, they're losing, there's a great attack on their freedoms, their innocence. Absolutely. When you're compelling kids to agree with this ideology, uh, that's, that's really encroaching upon their own rights, their own constitutional rights here. Um, and I think this attack on the family is bad for kids, as I'm sure everyone sure. on your podcast agrees, but it takes away the ability of that child to lean on their parents and to get the, the help and the support that they need when they're dealing with important issues um, that they really need their parents on. Absolutely. What do, when you look to the future, you and your team there, um, what do you see? Are you optimistic uh, for the future? Do you think that parents will prevail and that the legal, uh, you know, the legal teams will help us win these cases and then we'll set a, a good precedent? I really do. I think there are clear constitutional freedoms that are being violated and that the courts will weigh in and protect parents and students, children. But I also am so encouraged by the grassroots efforts and the push from particularly moms all around the country. That's right. Who have stood up and said, this is important. We're going to protect our kids. We want to work with the schools, but we aren't going to give up our rights to the schools or the government. And I think that that shift, that voice has become so loud that it's really impacting the culture, which is an important piece that, that needs to shift on this issue. Any last um, words of advice here? And I do want you to go ahead and give your, your website and just talk a little bit about, uh, about your, your team there and what they offer. Well, we have uh, five attorneys and we're litigating cases all in this area, uh, largely focused right now on the public schools, CRT, gender theory, all kind of stemming from a critical theory um, basis, because that's something that we uniquely can engage in. Uh, and it's a place where we're really seeing the battleground as we've talked about. Thank you. Um, and people can get information about our cases at adflegal.org. Um, but I'd also just say as a note of encouragement to parents, um, you encourage me so much, the way that parents are standing up for their kids, uh, the, the very reasonable uh, and loud voice that you have become for your kids. And I just would encourage moms listening to this podcast to keep up that work. Um, I know it can be tiring. The school right. boards can wear you out, uh, but you're having an impact and just stay strong in what you're doing. You know that you are protecting your kids and doing what's right for your kids and for all kids in America. And that's just so valuable. I'm so grateful for the work of moms around the country on this issue. That's right. The moms are showing up yeah. and, um, and they wanna be heard and they do not wanna be dismissed. 100%. So thank you, Kate, for everything uh, you and the team are doing over there. We so appreciate what a blessing you are and um, and what you're doing there. Talk about taking on the tough stuff, um, protecting the rights of parents and their children. For more information, like Kate said, Alliance Defending Freedom, go to adflegal.org. Yes. 
All right, and God bless you and your family and give those kids a hug and especially that little baby, four months, four you. weeks old. Oh, getting all the baby snuggles these days. You are, well, it's precious times and it goes quick, you know that. So God bless you, Kate, and tell everybody over there, special thanks from Moms for America. Thank you so much. All right. All right, moms, great podcast again, Parental Rights. You mamas, you are showing up in full, full gird there at your schools, and um, we're not going to let them push us around that when it comes to our kids. So um, I do want to give our moms just some closing information about our website, momsforamerica.us. Check out all of our amazing resources, events, and programs. We would love to have you check out our signature program, which is called the Cottage Meeting. These 12 lessons will inspire and educate you about America's amazing heritage so that you can share the principles of liberty right in your home. You can teach and train up your children and also impact your community. It gives you all these great resources like show up at your school board. Um, so this program, along with a lot of our other resources on our website, will help you impact your family and your home in a very powerful way. I do want to mention, just because we're talking about uh, school boards, that we have a great a division called Mom Force. Everything about taking back, standing up and taking back your school board and your education. Again, it's called Mom Force, and that is on our website. Go ahead and check that out. From parental rights to public policy, Moms for America has it all. All right, so lastly, sign up for our weekly newsletter. This will help you get educated on issues that relate to moms just like you, engage with other moms all across the country. We say this every, every week, moms. We believe that liberty begins at home and that moms are the heartbeat of America and that you are going to go ahead and save our country. And I'm saying yes and amen to that. So like, sub subscribe, uh, share today's podcast with your mama friends regarding your parental rights. Join us again next week for inspiring, informative discussions with moms just like you. So thanks for joining us, moms. And let's keep changing our home, our world. Let's keep changing our world. I'm sorry, one home at a time. We got this. <laughs>